Good morning, church. How's everybody? We're going to begin in a moment in Hebrews chapter 1, and then we're going to bounce to John chapter 14. If you bought a Bible and you want to find Hebrews chapter 1, that's where we will begin. Every Friday night, we take my dad out to eat because it's kind of become our routine since my mother died. Uh, It's either pizza or fish. Most of the time, it's fish because dad and I, we love catfish. Uh, Last Friday night, it was pizza. And we were sitting in the pizza place, eating our pizza, along with at least, I don't know, 10 other tables. We're having our private conversation. They're having their conversation. A lady walks in, and she's already got a conversation going on her cell phone with someone, and she's got it on speakerphone. So while the conversation struggles to continue, she stands there and tries to place her order at the counter. Now, this is a very loud and obnoxious conversation. We had to quit talking at our table because we couldn't concentrate. We understood every word coming out of that cell phone and every word coming out of her mouth. She seemed to be totally oblivious that anyone else was trying to have a meaningful conversation over their dinner at the pizza place. Well, I sat there and got a little hot because she was right behind me. And it went on and it went on and it went on and you could look around and other people were kind of looking. And Now, if you don't know me very well, I'm a guy who likes to take, take action. I, I'll jump into something with a total stranger and we're going to talk about it. I just don't have a problem doing that. I sat there and here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to walk up there and just snatch that phone away. Have you ever wanted to snatch away someone's phone? Just snatch it away, all right? But my brilliant idea was to walk up beside her at the counter, and start having a conversation with my table as loud as she was talking with that person on the phone. I thought, that'll teach the lesson. That'll show her how inconsiderate she's being. It was a brilliant idea. Do you know why I didn't do it? I didn't do it. And I didn't do it. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit told me not to. (laughs) It's true. You say, no, 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 Mike. You didn't do it because you'd be embarrassed to do it. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you didn't do it because it wouldn't be the kind thing to do. i got to be honest with you. Kindness is important to me, but it's like sixth or seventh on the list. <laughs> See? Justice and the inconsideration of others, that's pretty high on my list. No, I didn't do it, and I'm telling you, hear me, the Holy Spirit stopped me. God was in me at that moment. God was with me in that moment. It was God in me. The only thing that kept me patient and quiet was God in me. As soon as she got her food and walked out of the restaurant, then I had to fight another urge. I wanted to stand up and say, thank God. (laughs) We've been covering the core elements to the faith walk. If you're going to be strong in your faith walk, you've got to familiarize yourself with the foundational principles of the Word of God. We've talked about authentic faith. We've talked about world religion and how Christianity compares to other world religions. We've talked about discipleship. We've talked about worship. Last time we talked about prayer. Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want you to meet the Holy Spirit. I want to help you recognize His work in your life I want to help you see what God is doing through the third person of the Trinity. Now, I would imagine if I asked for a show of hands, how many of you have ever read a book on the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer? I'll bet there'd be very few hands raised. Because among the three co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent members of the Trinity, we tend to focus on God the Father and God the Son. 
If you start focusing on the Holy Spirit, well, then your church gets into some unfamiliar territory and people do it, start doing some strange things, right? No, not necessarily. If you read an old version of Scripture, like the King James Version, you'd read phrases like, be filled with the Holy Ghost or walk in the Holy Ghost. Um, I prefer the newer translations because spirit is a better translation. The word ghost might have been appropriate 1,400 years ago. However, the word spirit, such as in the New International Version or the New American Standard Version, is the, ver is the word we carry today. Several years ago, there was a man in our church, a family actually, whose teenagers were involved in our student ministry. This kind of dad was the kind of dad that was there on Wednesday nights and he showed up with all the pizza. Uh, he was the guy that was always, you know, flipping the hamburgers and grilling the hot dogs for the kids when they had a gathering. Whenever we took him out of town somewhere to camp or something, he was always one of the drivers, usually leading the pack. Every time the students would go somewhere without their father, he would look at his two sons and he would say, hey, boys, be good. Remember whose name you carry. Remember whose name you carry. That would remind me of my high school football coach. We'd go to an away game on a Friday night, we'd play ball, and on the way home, we'd always stop at Dairy Queen or Burger King or McDonald's. And before we got off the bus, coach would stand, he'd say, hey man, let me have your attention. He said, when you go in there, I want you to keep it down, I want you to be respectful, I want you to be kind and considerate, because remember, you not only represent your school, you not only represent your team, but you represent Jesus Christ. Remember whose name I carry. And I represent Jesus Christ. I don't know if you know this or not, but that is an enormous part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in every follower of Jesus Christ. You may or may not know this, but before Jesus ascended to the Father, at the end of his mission, he's been crucified, he was resurrected, he spent 40 days with his closest followers. Before he ascended to the, to the Father, he promised the gift of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, this was going to be a brand new experience for these people because as you read through the Old Testament, you read nothing of the Holy Spirit. You read of the Spirit of God, which came on a person for a particular period of time to enable them to do something special that God had called them to do. But as far as walking in the Spirit, fellowship with the Spirit, Knowing the Spirit of God, the Old Testament believers were unable to relate to God in the way that the New Testament believers could. There are several things we know for sure about God's Holy Spirit from the Word of God. Number one, we know that He is not a force or a feeling. Don't associate the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, with some kind of uncontrollable gyration, convulsions, don't associate it with that at all. Jesus, in John 14, we'll read it in just a few minutes, Jesus called God's Holy Spirit a comforter, an advocate, a guide, a helper, an intercessor. Had nothing to do with uncontrollable, out-of-body type experiences. That's number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit can either be recognized by the follower of Christ or he can be rejected by the follower of Christ. You see, our ability as Christ followers to hear from God resides solely in our willingness to recognize God's Spirit within us. Some of us all too often reject. Friday night, I recognized God's Spirit within me, and it governed my behavior. I remembered whose name I carry, and I represent Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has work in the world, according to John chapter 6 and John chapter 16. He draws us to fellowship with God. When you first became curious about God or faith in Jesus Christ, that was the Holy Spirit drawing you in because he convicts the world 
of sin. The Holy Spirit's work in the Christ follower is he guides us into God's ways. He reveals God's truth to each of us. Now, this is big, and this is what I want you to see. The Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, the Godhead, the triune God, the Holy Spirit is God's primary agent of change in me. You know what your problem is? It's my problem too. It's sin. Sin corrupts everything. The reason your family isn't cohesive is, is because of sin. The reason you argue with your wife is sin. The reason you can't overcome problems at work is sin. We live in a fallen universe, a kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light is the, is, are those who follow Jesus Christ. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 because the problem is we live in a kingdom of sin, but the Holy Spirit is our defense. The Holy Spirit is what gets us through. The Holy Spirit is what makes it a kingdom of light within a kingdom of darkness. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. The prophets were very important in the Old Testament. Now hear me, Israel did not always accept or recognize the prophet as being from God. However, prophets held a very, very high position in Old Testament um, civilization. In fact, during the time of Jesus, looking back on the prophets, men like Elijah were extremely respected. Men like Samuel were held in high regard. By the way, it's always easier to respect what God's done in the past and ignore what God's doing in, in the present. That will always be the case. It is always easy to look back at what God did in the Old Testament and say, man, I wish God would speak to me the way he spoke to them. The fact is, through the Holy Spirit, he is. Your recognition of God's Holy Spirit in your heart and life as your way, as your guide, as your comforter, is every bit as effective, every bit as from God, as the bush that's on fire in Exodus chapter 2 when God spoke to Moses. In the past, the author writes, God spoke through the prophets. These men were revered. Verse 2, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the whole universe. Jesus carried the same weight as the prophets. If the prophets spoke in the Old Testament and they were recognized as the voice of God, now Jesus is on earth, and when Jesus speaks, he carries the same weight, he carries the same authority as not only the prophets, but of the Father, because all three members of that Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're co-equal, they're co-existent, they're co-eternal. Keep reading, verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. So Jesus on earth is like a reflection of the Father, watch this, and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. Follow me, church. You know what that means? That means that talking to Jesus was just like talking to the Father. That means that an encounter with Jesus was identical to an encounter with the Father. That means hearing from Jesus or hearing Jesus speak was exactly like hearing the Father speak. Not everyone recognized that truth. That's why they crucified him. After that, he provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the 
majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. You realize throughout the Bible, Old Testament to New, God spoke to his people in a variety of ways. Often in the Old Testament, it was through the prophets. Whatever the prophets said, that was considered to be from God. In the New Testament, when Jesus was on the earth, believers followed Jesus. Jesus was their guide and their authority. Guess what? Jesus isn't here any longer. Oh, he's coming back, according to this book, but he's not here now. Today, the Holy Spirit indwells the Christ follower. And in every case, whether it's the prophets of the Old Testament, whether it's Jesus and his disciples, his closest followers, or us today, the whole process of hearing from God, of walking out God's way, revolves around your ability, my ability, to embrace that faith and recognize God's Spirit within us. You see, the whole process hinged back then and hinges today on our faith not the volume of the speaker's message. You see, how many of us have wished that if God really wanted to answer my question or guide me in his way, that one of the trees in the backyard would catch on fire like Moses? And I'd walk out on my back deck and I'd say, hmm, this must be God. And from within that burning bush or tree would come the very voice of God. Guess what? When that happened to Moses as loud As obvious as that may have seemed to us, you know what Moses did? He tried to ignore it. He tried to push it away. It wasn't good enough. That's why when I'm sitting in a a restaurant and I feel strongly one way and something in me says, no, that's not the way, this is the way, it's not how loud that voice speaks to me, it's the level of faith I have in it. You see what I'm trying to say? You recognize the difference between the two? Don't presume that God spoke much louder in biblical times than he does today. Don't presume that God spoke so loudly with such authority in the Old Testament that the Old Testament saints couldn't help but believe, couldn't help but listen, couldn't help but follow. The fact is, more often than not, as God spoke through the prophets, the people ignored them. The people didn't revere the prophets until centuries later, looking back. This is important. Our ability to hear from God rests in our faith in the speaker, the Holy Spirit within the Christ follower, not the volume of his message. Jesus promised that God was going to authenticate his message, and he was going to use the Holy Spirit. This afternoon, if you have time, read John 14 and John chapter 16. John 13 to 17 covers the night of the Passover. In John chapter 14, Jesus is reclined at the table. He's already washed the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. He's about to deliver one of the I am statements, I am the true vine of John chapter 15. But in John 14 and John 16, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 14 and verse number 15. John 14 is that famous passage that we use at a lot of funerals. It begins... Uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. The disciples were pretty down. They were pretty discouraged because Jesus kept talking about going away. And they didn't want him to go away because if Jesus went away, how were they going to hear from God? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. I'm going now there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to return and I'm going to take you to be with me. That's John chapter 14. When we get to verse 15... 
Jesus introduces them to the Holy Spirit. Look at John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. We can relate to that, right? If you truly love me, if you believe I am who I say I am, then follow me. Now watch. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The word means helper, intercessor, comforter, guide. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, even though I'm leaving, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another. The word another means another of the same kind. Not another of a different kind. Another of the same kind. Another advocate so communicating with the Holy Spirit is just as good as communicating with me, Jesus is saying, to help you. He'll be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. Coexistent with God, co-equal with God, co-eternal. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you do know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, now follow my reasoning here. Jesus lived with them at this time. Jesus was their advocate. But he's leaving. He's made that clear. That's why they're discouraged. But then he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not only be with you, he will be in you. In fact, to read it exactly, he lives with you and will be in you. Well, wait a minute. We know, if you know your Bible, the Holy Spirit didn't show up until Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So what did Jesus mean when he said, the Holy Spirit is with you? He will live in you. He means that when I leave, the Holy Spirit will be the exact representation of me. He means that since I'm with you, the Spirit is with you. The coexistent, co-eternal, co-equal Godhead. Skip down to verse 25. All of this I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you, will teach you all things and remind you it'll be as though I never left. When I leave, the Holy Spirit comes and it'll be as though I've never left because it's going to teach you and he's going to remind you of everything that I have said, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus said that the advocate or the helper or the counselor is going to be of the same quality, the same character as Christ himself, because the advocate, like Jesus, would be God. Christ would go away, but the helper would remain forever. So here's what I want you to know. An encounter with the Holy Spirit is an encounter with God. An encounter with the Holy Spirit is an encounter with God. God clearly spoke to the people in the book of Acts. Did he not? Read the book of Acts. God clearly communicated with his people. In fact, a handful of men wrote the bulk of the New Testament and they did so by communicating with God, and yet Jesus was long gone 50 years earlier, 100 years earlier. Jesus was gone. He had ascended to the Father. How did he, they communicate? Through the Holy Spirit. That's what the Scripture teaches. It's important for you to realize that God clearly speaks to us today through the Holy Spirit. 
I do not blush when I say, I know it might sound presumptuous to some of you, but the Holy Spirit helped me keep my cool on Friday night in the restaurant. If you find that difficult to accept, if that's just a little much for you, then maybe you need to place more value on the ordinary tools that are at your disposal for listening to and responding to God, like the Bible. Do you read this book? You spend time in this book? God speaks to you when you read this book through the Holy Spirit. The Bible has a characteristic. We call it the inexhaustive Word of God. That means that I can study a passage a hundred times over the course of my lifetime and continually pull something from it that's relevant, something that's for me today. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. How about prayer? Are you committed to prayer? Because through prayer, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. How about the church? Do you realize that you are part of an organization commonly referred to as the body of Jesus Christ? It's as if Christ is among us because we're together and the Holy Spirit resides in every follower of Jesus Christ. What a resource. What a valuable commodity for wisdom, for counsel, for guidance and comfort. And then circumstances. Do you respond to your circumstances? Do you connect the dots between what's happening in your life and the direction in which God may want, be wanting you to go? The Holy Spirit does that. One last passage. you got to turn here. Colossians chapter 3. Go through First and Second Corinthians. Go through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. You get to Colossians and look at chapter 3. Paul is the author, and this, this is it. This is the whole deal right here. What is the Holy Spirit trying to accomplish in the life of every follower of Jesus Christ? I'll tell you in a nutshell. He's trying to make me subconscious for God. Now, what does that mean? I'll explain. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, because remember, following Christ, there's no more Jew and Gentile. There's no more only the Jews of the chosen people. Every follower of Jesus Christ embracing authentic faith in Jesus Christ becomes part of God's family. Holy and dearly loved. Watch this. Clothe yourselves. Okay? Paul's talking about a lifestyle. Clothe yourselves. Cover yourself with the following. He's describing a way of life. He's talking about authenticity. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Do you know what those are? In Galatians chapter 5, those are called fruits of the Spirit. That means that as the Spirit of God resides in the follower of Jesus Christ, the more I respond to that Spirit, the more I begin bearing the fruits of compassion, of kindness, of humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, the list is longer in Galatians chapter 5, and i got to be honest with you, there are a couple of them just come natural to me. Self-control comes pretty naturally to me. I'm a pretty disciplined person, but kindness does not. Patience... I'm not even close. But over the course of my faith walk, my wife will tell you, I'm a little more patient than I used to be. 20 years ago, I might have snatched that phone out of that woman's hand. But Friday, I didn't. Why? Because it's always been my goal as I try and follow Jesus to clothe myself with the things Jesus says are important. 
It's as if God is in my head saying, Mike, you know, kindness is where it's at. Mike, you know, you got to be patient with some people. Keep reading. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know what went through my mind at the table Friday night? Now, Mike, Jesus loves her as every bit as much as he loves you. Where's that come from? Trust me, it doesn't come from Mike. Because in Mike's self-sovereign world, Mike's way more important than that woman. Way more important than she is. Mike has a lot more on the ball than most people in Mike's self-sovereign way of looking at the world. So forgive one another as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. There's another fruit, the greatest, in fact, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Watch verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That means let it take up residence. It's literally a lifestyle. Clothe yourself. Let the, let the peace of Christ live in you. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Here it comes again, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let it grow inside you. We're talking about becoming subconscious for God. We're talking about I naturally begin to desire the thing God desires most for me. Admonish one another in all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And here it is, verse 17. And whatever you do, whatever it is, whatever you do, every detail of your life, worship on Sunday morning, dealing with difficult people on Friday night, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I'm becoming subconscious for God. Remember whose name you carry, Mike. You represent not only yourself, not only your family, you represent Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit's goal in us, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. Look, here's the main idea. I put it in the program. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, first convicts us of our sin. That's what drew us to God in the first place. And then becomes God's primary agent of change in us. Once again, verse 16, the message of Christ should dwell in you richly. Verse 17, do all in the name of Jesus. We're talking about being coming subconscious for God. Look, years ago I stood next to a woman in church and as we sang, tears just streamed down her face. And I thought to myself, man, that's authenticity. Wish I could do that. Wish when I sang these songs that I believe, probably as much as she does, that tears would well up in my eyes. But let me tell you something, I'm not a crying person. I'm just just not wired that way. I didn't cry when my mother died until I stood on this stage at her funeral and tried to sing her favorite song. And that's when it hit me. I'm just not given to tears. So don't think that every experience with God's Holy Spirit is wrapped up in some kind of emotion. It's probably not if you're not an emotional person. However, every follower of Jesus Christ has God the Holy Spirit indwelling their life. And any sincerely devoted servant of God can know the power of of the Holy Spirit in their life. Just by making a few general observations from the Scripture. Anybody can gain the knowledge they need 
to live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, a life filled with the Spirit of God is not reserved for emotional people. It's not reserved for people who are very expressionate, very demonstrative. No, 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 no. The life that is driven by the Spirit is a life where Christ dwells in it richly, where everything they do and say, they sort of run it past God first. Here's how Paul put it in Galatians 5, verse 24, which, by the way, is the fruits of the Spirit passage. Paul wrote, since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, remember, because to follow Jesus is the same as being filled with the Spirit, let's make sure that what we do, that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but let's work out its implications in every detail of our lives. Do you know what Paul is describing? He's describing becoming subconscious for God. That's a term I came across 20 years ago and I latched onto it. I love it. I love the idea of becoming subconscious for God. The Spirit's work in the follower of Jesus is to make me naturally want what God wants for me. Friday night, what I wanted was not what God wanted for me, but I listened. And I'm challenging you to do the same. Now, this whole battle takes place in our mind. It's Ephesians chapter 6, the battlefield of the mind. It's that conflict between the old Mike and the new Mike, the old nature and the new nature. The Bible calls it the old creation and a new creature in Christ, the old man and the new man. Psychiatrists and psychologists who study the inner workings of the mind tell us that we are all not simply one, we are actually three. The battle between the old me and the new me as I try and follow Christ is actually a struggle between the real you, the masked you, and the compromised you. Have you ever heard this? Let, let me explain very quickly and I'll quit. The real you, the real me, that's the you that only you and God truly know. I mean, the real you emphasizes your truest motivations your deepest feelings, your most intense aspirations. The real you is rooted in your personality type or style, how you were wired in your mother's womb. The real you is your self-sovereign, self-governed self. That's the real you. But that won't always fly, will it? The real you may not work always in a marriage. It may not work in business. It may not work in the church. So what do we do? We wear a mask. The mask you is the image you wish to project to others. The image you wish to say, hey, this is me. You can look deep down inside, and you're not going to see the real me. This is the me you're going to see. That's the mask me. I consciously and even subconsciously try and mask certain behaviors. Whether or not I'm content with the real me, I may love myself, I may hate myself. But if I'm going to function in society... I'm going to have to put on a face. Then we're left with the compromised you. The compromised you is the inconsistencies in your efforts to mask the real you. You're not always going to be able to hold up that mask. This is the you most people closest to you truly know because they've seen you on your good days, but they've also seen you on your bad days. They live with the compromised you. Now, follow me closely. That's psychobabble. When you pull that into this, you know what my theology tells me? The real me 
is not basically a good person. The real me, according to this, is a sinner wired a certain way that has been saved by grace. The mask me is my effort to make Christ dwell in my life richly. The mask me is my desire to let Christ be Lord. The mask me is Christ's image to which I'm trying to conform. But because I still possess the old nature, because the real Mike is still in there, others are left to deal with the compromise me. So follow me. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to make the real Mike subconscious for God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit's work in the life of a Christ follower is to make the real you more like Jesus Christ. You see, even if we could hear God speak clearly, I'm not so sure that would make our choices any easier. I don't think it would remove all the fear, all the doubt from every decision we have to make. That's not the way it worked in the Bible. The Old Testament men and women didn't always respond to God when they spoke. Perhaps, like Paul says in Colossians 3, followers of Jesus Christ need to become more knowledgeable of what God desires. We need to become more knowledgeable of the God whose spirit lives in us. We need to become more knowledgeable of the teachings of Christ because one of the things the Spirit does in us is to remind us of the teaching of Christ and to guide us. See, then when we become more confident in our own faith walk, we become a little more trusting of our own desires because maybe, maybe, just maybe, if Christ dwells in me richly, that desire is coming from God. I'm beginning to desire what God desires for me. Look, You and I cannot relate to Jesus the way the disciples did. You and I can't talk to Jesus face-to-face the way John did or, or Peter did or Mark did. They were physically present with Jesus. But, but, he gave us his spirit, which, believe it or not, he said, is better. God's spirit is with us always. He's our counselor He's our advocate. He's our helper. He's our guide. The question is, as he competes for our loyalty, are you listening? That is the question. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for the privilege of knowing you through your son, Jesus Christ. But Father, I am convinced that we need to respond to your spirit within us more than we often so often do. Father, help us listen as you try and guide. Help us realize that when the Spirit moves us in a certain direction, that's as good, that's as good as having a conversation with Jesus himself. Father, may Christ dwell in us richly as we respond and listen to your Holy Spirit. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you, Grace Community Church. Hope you make it a fantastic week. I will see you next time.